The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah soft made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owners, turn your smartphone into a cash register. PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy way to get paid in store, and they deliver the same security and trust PayPal is known for online, in person, even if you're a cash-only business. With PayPal QR codes, you can accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. There's no additional hardware or software needed. Generate your unique QR code from the PayPal app and display it on your device or print it to display in store. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app. You only need your smartphone. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Hello, everybody. Can you believe it? I am on my 10th podcast. I made it to 10. I was actually thinking today uh, about getting to my 10th podcast. And I was like, you know, I was kind of really excited about it. Um I'm the today's podcast is going to definitely be really kind of a heavy one. So I'm going to forewarn you before we start. Um, and I always start my podcast with some sort of funny story. And I was kind of debating, I'm like, do I tell a funny story today? But I think that I can tell you a funny story because legitimately it just happened. Uh, So I have my guest Selena on and I usually have my editor, John, um, he edits and produces my podcast. Um, He sits on with me and he helps me, you know, and he counts me down and everything. And 
uh, he, he is caught in Austin in a snowstorm and they have no power. So I was like, you know what, John, I'm going to try and record it myself today. And your friend Megan is like legitimately, I mean, I've made fun of myself before that for not being very smart, but poor Selena had to sit on this, (laughs) on this zoom call with me and I was like I can't turn on the volume (laughs) and we had to like keep stopping and starting and I was like okay you call me on my phone and then I'll call you back and then we'll test the mics and then we'll get started so um yeah like that took us and I'm not lying right now when I tell you that legitimately took 20 minutes of our day and it was not it was not Selena's fault whatsoever. It was mine. So I apologize, everyone. But I would like to thank you for listening. Thank you if you've listened to all nine of my podcasts I've done so far. Today's my 10th. I'm beyond grateful to do this. When I started to do this podcast, I was in a really, really deep, dark place. And, and I'm starting to kind of like see the light again. really special that I have my guest on today because she's I've known her a while and um, we did a spiritual retreat together years ago and both are trauma survivors and she could not be a better girl and she's just wonderful and I love her so welcome Selena thank you hi hi you look so pretty you're all like (laughs) whatever I'm like like no makeup and I'm like I'm like don't look in the background she's like I love your hat wall and then like <laughs> and I'm like trying to block the laundry in the background so she doesn't see it <laughs> um so I'm really honored to have my guest Selena Castillo on my podcast I have like I said known her quite a while and I am gonna start just by you know, asking you some questions. And I obviously know your story, but there's things that I probably don't remember from our retreat because it was, how long ago is that? Like six years ago? Six years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. Okay. And like I said, we did, we met, we did um, this spiritual retreat together at our church and we became friends. And you know, it's, we've, we haven't seen each other. We would go to lunch and like, it's just weird how you just kind of, things kind of change. And I know you've been through a lot of stuff the past few years. Um, but I'm just really grateful that you're doing this. Um, so where, where I'm going to start is by talking about your life and, you know, how you kind of came into this world and kind of experienced trauma at a really young age. So, why don't we start there? Why don't you tell me the story of Selena? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, I was born into a very loving and warm family. Um, and uh, my mom married my dad um, at a, I guess, young age. She was 19. Um, and he's 10 years older than her. And he already had two kids and um, a previous marriage. Um, my mom and dad and myself, and my mom was um, pregnant with my brother at the time, 
uh, we took a trip, a road trip to Mexico to visit family. Um, and then on the drive home, they were taking turns driving. Um, we got into a car accident. My mom had been driving and uh, my dad realized she was drifting off to sleep and, you know, yelled her name and she jolted the steering wheel and the car flipped several times. And um, yeah, unfortunately he didn't survive and suffered just blunt force trauma to his head and they found me in a tumbleweed. Um, so I've been told like a hundred yards from the car and um, I was like not injured at all. And, um, but he was helicoptered to the hospital and my mom wasn't able to say goodbye just because the severity of his injuries. Um, and thankfully my baby brother um, was okay. And, and that was, that what age. age, what age were you at that time? Um, I was a year and a half. Okay. So do you ha ever have like any flash? I know that that sounds weird, but I, you know, when I lost my younger sister, which I've talked about on the podcast, I do have like weird flashbacks. And I was like around the same age, like two, um, where I could like see wallpaper and kind of like this, this feeling of like, you're always uneasy. Did you feel like that in your life? where you always kind of were afraid of losing someone? Um, no, well, I've had that feeling. I think, I don't know if I had that feeling because of losing my dad. I was so little and I, I don't have a memory of the accident. Um, I had some memories of my mom grieving and crying when I was, you know, a couple years older after everything um, had occurred. And then, um, but I think, other events in my life, yeah. I, I fear following that. Um, but I don't, I mean, where I'm at now, I don't, I don't necessarily have that fear. No. Yeah. So did you, I mean, we're going to talk about what happened later in life, obviously, <laughs> but the reason I bring that story up is because I think that first of all, it's a complete miracle that you're here. So never doubt that you're supposed to be here on this planet. Because the fact that you were a baby in a car seat and you made it out is just unbelievable. You have a mission in this life and God wanted you to be, be here. And I believe that. Um, I hate to jump ahead, but I, I mean, the story that really affected your life and, you know, I think people need to hear this story and understand we can kind of go into it. Yes. Um, so my mom ended up remarrying when I was about five or six years old and um, to another man and we moved to Texas and he also was a widower. Um, so at that point it was me and my brother, my little brother, myself, and then her second husband and his daughter. And they were married for about 10 years and had my sister, my little sister, who's well now not so little. Um, she's 18 now, but their marriage did not last, you know, they just had their own difficulties um, having to do with just bankruptcy and alcoholism and just other issues that had come up. Um, and so we came back to California. Um, and then she married a third time uh, to the individual that is a part of the next experience. And I don't like to say his name, but um, he was an unusual person. And I was never 
particularly fond of him, but I did respect my mom's decisions and, you know, wanted her to be happy. And she, I know she really struggled most of her adult life, just trying to support the family and wanting to have a complete household and a provider. Um, How long were your mom and we're going to call him the nameless person. um, Mm -hmm. How long were they together? In total before? um, I think they started, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I know they got married when I was, I believe a freshman in college and then it all ended my senior year of college. So less than okay. a handful of years. Yeah. Okay. And was there, was there like any signs of like verbal abuse or physical abuse during that, during their marriage? No. Um, it was more of a very disconcerting like apathy. Um, just, uh, I don't know. It was just the normal human response to certain things wasn't there um and it just wasn't I mean at this point we would identify him as a sociopath but um at the time it was just bizarre behavior and I I mean there's so many instances that I actually don't even think about much anymore but um and this lie started coming out as we were just child that didn't we didn't know existed that he was somehow involved with his near drowning and just really unsettling almost evil things started coming out and so that's when my mom decided to uh end or leave him okay and then and then what ultimately happened um so they went through the divorce process which was stressful in and of itself um so it was the week I think it was going to be finalized, which I guess is not necessarily relevant. Um, but we were celebrating Christmas Eve, which is a big holiday for my family. And we all get together, all my cousins, my aunts and uncles. My It was at my grandma's house, my grandma and grandpa's house. Um, so we always celebrate Christmas Eve and we all come over and exchange gifts and eat and laugh and play. And it's just a long day of celebration and I'm just being with the family. and. Uh, this particular evening, which was 2008, um, everything was as normal as, you know, just the normal festivities. And then um, it was 1113 when the doorbell rang. Um, I just remember because I was sitting at, in the on the couch with some of my cousins and things were already winding down at that point. Some of the adults were in the living room. I was with my little sister who was um, six at the time and we were just kind of hanging out enjoying each other's company and the doorbell rang and it was someone dressed as Santa and one of my other little cousins um, was very excited came running and then went back and um, all of a sudden there was just loud I guess crashing sounds um which after, of course, we realized were gunshots, but from where I was, I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was crystal breaking. Honestly, my grandma had so much crystal in her living room. And so we thought it was just something breaking, but uh, it ended up being him. He showed up um, dressed in a Santa Claus costume and just had all these weapons and wrapped in wrapping paper and just different things and came in and just started firing all over the place. And, um, yeah, it was um, horrific. And, yeah, and he, I, um, yeah, so he ended up 
shooting one of my little cousins in the face who survived and is healthy and beautiful. And um, thank God she's still with us, but unfortunately took the lives of nine of my family members, um, all of our aunts and un- most of my aunts and uncles and my grandparents and my mom. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, it's kind of a blur. I haven't thought about the details um, anytime recently, really, but um, I, I heard one of my uncles just yelling out that he's shooting, he's shooting. And at that point, I had no idea who it was. I actually thought we were being burglarized. Um, and so he's shooting. And so I threw me and my, my little sister on the ground, um, lost my cell phone. And um, I just, at that point, it was fight or flight and adrenaline started kicking in. And so I, I actually thought I was following somebody out the door. There was a sliding door to the backyard. Um, and later, as my cousins and I have exchanged um, just accounts of what we experienced, they're like, we all followed you, those who were in that area of my home or in my grandparents' home. Um, so we just escaped out the back door and were hiding in the corner of the yard and um, just looking through the window. Or we were far in the corner of the yard and looking through the window of the house and we could see this person um, and then moments later, uh, the house exploded and knocked us off our feet. And um, suddenly the home was just engulfed in flames. And me and my little sister and two of my cousins who were with me um, had to jump a wall. And then we were in a neighbor's house. And, you know, we're, and one of my other cousins actually was also shot in the back. And I didn't realize that until we were in the neighbor's home. And uh, she was surprisingly very calm um and anyway I just so they called the police and it wasn't until the night started unfolding that we realized what was going on we all just started calling each other trying to figure out where everyone was because the family just dispersed in different directions whoever was able to escape um I'm kind of shaking talking about it I know I know I mean I can't I've obviously heard this story before but if you haven't told it recently, it's probably hard to think about, right? Yeah, and just to say it out loud, it's so, it's the dark and I don't know, it's just really ugly. But <clears throat> so we started, I started calling, I called my brother, um, I got through to him and he told me who he was with. So I was so thankful to hear his voice and then I just I remember I kept calling my mom's cell phone and it was going straight to voicemail. And I just knew at that point that she wasn't with us anymore. And um, the same thing was going on with my cousins that I was with. They were trying to call their moms and dads and um, we just knew. And as we were in the back of, it was me and one of my other cousins. Um, I'm not saying a lot of my family members names just because I don't know. I don't know how they would feel about um, just yeah. the details of the story. So we were, and she's close to my age. So we were in the back of a police car um, with my little sister and she got a phone call and I, I don't even know who told her who it was. Someone, I, oh, because whoever saw him, they saw his face. So they knew who, who had entered the home. And, um, but uh, we had my sister in the car and I remember this vividly. And I was so thankful to my cousin because she, I know she was talking to her boyfriend at the time, who is now her husband, 
and father of her child. Um, and I could hear his voice and he was hysterical because my cousin knew she, she couldn't get a hold of her little brother. And we lost one of my cousins. The rest were, you know, the adults and he was the only grandchild that didn't survive. Um, How old at the time? He was 17. Okay. He was upstairs in my mom's room. Um, I think on the computer on my space or something. Um, but he had been upstairs because it was later in the evening and just doing his thing. And so he did not survive. But um, what I remember is just how calm she was explaining to her boyfriend that she didn't know where he was. And I, she already knew. I think both of us knew, okay, we've, we've lost our loved ones. And um, were, were, sister- were you in shock? You must have been in like... Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, just the amount of trauma witnessing that. And then uh also just you immediately probably like, where were, did the police come right away? Um, they came, I, I don't recall how long it took. Um, you were probably in shock. So it was just, I, I was in shock. We were terrified I mean we weren't sure where he was was the thing I remember after it happened and we were in the neighbor's home behind my grandparents house I was trying to get away from the windows I was I didn't want to be anywhere within his sight um and I I didn't at that time didn't know how many people there were either and so when the police came um yeah, I remember being even afraid to walk to their car because they were parked down the street. They didn't pull up in front of the house to get us. Um, but I was, yeah, I was definitely in shock. I I don't think it was any, we weren't processing everything. We were just in survival mode and trying to stay safe. And um, that when we were in the car on the way to the police station, which is where they were gathering all of my family members is when my sister who was in my arms um, looked up at me and said, where's mommy? And, um, I had to tell her that, um, I said, mommy's an angel now. I already knew. And... Yeah. It's hard. How, how old was she at that time? She was six. Yeah. That's so young. Um, and I just comforted her and, um, and I just told her everything was going to be okay. I actually don't remember. Um, I just, I know she was, she was crying, but it was just heartbreaking having to tell that to my little sister. Um, and yeah, and then we went to the police station and it was just a whole sequence of interviews and waiting and, um, it was while we were there that we learned that, I mean, we were there for hours. We were there until dawn, um, you know, and just, they were having to, the police were having to do their, whatever preliminary and, investigation. Yeah, the investigation. Um, and uh, I think they were just inspecting all, I, I don't remember what they were doing, but they interviewed all of us separately um, multiple times and they kept updating me. I remember. Um, and um, they at one point said that we were free to go home. And I told them that we are not going home until it's been confirmed that all of our homes have been, you know, and it just inspected and ensured that we're safe and that 
you know, we're not in harm's way once we leave. Um, and then we found out, they confirmed who it was and that he ended up committing suicide and they found him in his brother's home. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I thank you for get, telling the story. I know. I know how hard that is. I mean, anybody that listens to this story is like, how is this even possible? How do you go on, right? How do you live your life? Do you think there was a part of you just knowing you that was like, how do I go on? And then seeing your sister and knowing that you were there to take care of your sister, like what were, what, what are some of the feelings that you can remember feeling aside from just being like, okay, it's like, how do you even go on at that point? Um, of course, I mean, it hadn't really sunk in the, just the tremendous grief we would experience from the loss. I think there was definitely shock and, um, PTSD, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like severe PTSD. Yeah. Um, yes. And Yes, I did go to therapy for that, um, as did, I'm sure, many of my family members. But um, to be honest, even though there was that feeling of how it wasn't a matter if we would be able to go on, I, it, I, it wasn't, we actually even had this conversation. I can remember talking to one of my other cousins um, while we were at the police station. And even though there was, you know, crying and just, we were upset while we were there, but I already was hearing one of my cousins who's a couple years older than me saying that we're going to be okay. Like they're still going to be with us. And that is something that I'm so proud of my family and um, admire of them that just my grandparents and our parents built this foundation for us prior to this, even though I had lost my father as an infant I never really identified as someone who's I don't know I didn't identify my life by the loss it was just I identified myself with my family like I think that was such a huge part of my identity and um so our parents and my grandparents just built this foundation of just love and support and family and parties and and that's that's what carried us through. So it wasn't a matter of um, questioning whether we were going to be able to overcome it. We knew we were going to overcome it. It was just a matter of maybe how and how long it would take, but we knew we would. There was complete faith that, that we would get through it. What happened with your sister? So, did, so your aunt ended up taking your sister in, right? Yes. Okay. Um, my my aunt and my uncle are her godparents and they were, my aunt is the youngest of five of my grandparents' children. Is she the um, only survivor? Yes. The only, okay. yeah. Okay. Her and my uncle, yeah, okay. were the only surviving. Were um, they both there? So they witnessed the yeah. whole thing? Okay. No, they were there. They were there. Um, How did they get out? They... I think also ran through the same door, but at a different time. Um, okay. And they, yeah, and they ran through a different side of the yard. And um, with, I think, well, I know from what they told me, I didn't witness it, is that my uncle was having to 
like throw a lot of my cousins over this really high wall. Like it's amazing how strong you can be when you have adrenaline yeah. going through your system. But um, he helped a lot of my cousins escape and that, yeah, so they had their a different path that they took that evening. Um, but yes, they were there. How, what, how shortly after like you all gathered like together and kind of were like in the process of grieving how did it happen that, you know, your sister was taken in? What happened next? Did you, were, how were you able to pick up the pieces and go on and like continue to go to school? And like, that's the thing that baffles my mind when I, you know, I say this sometimes, I, I've addressed it in almost every podcast that some people are just fighters. I mean, mm-hmm. you're like a full on fighter. You're like a one of those, <laughs> I don't even know what kind of fighter you are, but you're a fighter. Um, how, how, how did you like go back to school? Cause you were a senior in college, correct? I was, I think I took, um, one week off. It was, I mean, obviously during the winter break, um, it took several days for all of, you know, the, for the investigation, not that the investigation was done, but for all of the, I mean, it's so morbid but for bodies to be identified just because of the severity of injuries and because of the fire um so it just it took some time and um until we were able to have a funeral which was beautiful and just a really it was a very beautiful celebration of their life um and just so it was standing room only in the church and i just remember the Obviously, it was the last thing you'd ever want to attend, but it was a very beautiful ceremony. Um, but yeah, we we the first couple of days we stayed at my brother's girlfriend's house. I think just while because my aunt, her daughter, was the one that was um, shot in the face, and so she was having to be with her at the hospital. So until she was discharged home. Um, so it just took a couple of days for things to settle a little bit in whatever way they could settle. And then we went to my aunt's house and basically moved in. Um, and can I, can I ask you what, yeah. um, I, cause I can remember this. I think anybody that's um, Angelino can remember this being covered all over the news. Yes. It was. Where did you have like that on top of already going through what you went through? I can't imagine what that was like for your family that was like being probably, you know, the news trucks and everything. What was that like just being, or did you understand Uh, what was going on? Were people trying to, okay. So um, there were, I think a great number of media and just people from around the world trying to reach the family, whether it was for journalistic reasons or just for extending condolences. Um, I know my uncle had a colleague I believe that was helping field some of the calls and then my aunt also had a friend that we had so many friends and family members that just came in and supported us and did everything they possibly could to just ease the pain and um, so honestly I don't remember being contacted myself really but I, I know we had been interviewed by I think LA Times at the time and um, that was one that we agreed to do just because they were already going to be publishing a story. And um, so we did speak with them, but, um, and then they were 
at the funeral at a distance. Um, thankfully, I, I, I don't know what was present or if there was security or police that something just to protect us to keep them at a distance. Um, same thing when we would go to the my grandparents' house or what used to be their home. Um, they knew we would be there. And so I, I, I don't remember the details of that because I was not involved with managing any of the media. I think my aunt and uncle were much more involved with that. But um, it wasn't it wasn't something that we, my family in general, really wanted to participate in. We wanted our privacy respected and just to focus on each other versus making any statements for the community. You know? Yeah, I think that that's a piece of it that people don't think about when something this tragic happens, that people need their space and their privacy. Um, I just, I was curious about it because it seemed to me like that would be an added layer of just stress for your aunt and your family to have to deal with. So you were saying you took a week off of college or you were on the break and then you ended up just being like, okay, I have to go back to my regular life and yes. leave your family and go back to school or were you staying, were you commuting? How, how did that work? No, I went back, um, to my apartment with my roommate um it was you know what we i don't even know if it was a decision we made it was just in our hearts and how we were raised to just continue to live our lives and embrace life and we wanted a sense of i guess normalcy for the kids especially the younger ones um you know my aunt had two daughters that were a year younger and older than my sister and um we were just moving forward the best we could. Um, it's just being in that survival mode, I guess. And so, yeah, I took one week off and wanted to be there. I think my sister started school. The kids started school shortly before uh, spring semester started at USC. And um, and then I returned and I just, I did what I had to do. I showed up to my classes. I was a student teacher at the time because I was getting my teaching credential. Um, and I just, I mean, I had, I was so blessed to have the support of, um, well, my roommate, who is my best friend and just other close friends and family. And um, I just did what I needed to do. And I was as present as I could be. We all continued to get together, my family and I for any, I mean, we celebrated New Year's Eve that year. I remember it wasn't that we had a party, but we still got together. Um, That's incredible. What, uh, like what a tribute to, I mean, I hate to jump ahead, but I was looking at your Instagram and it almost made me cry because I remember, I mean, this was six years ago and when we did the retreat together mm -hmm. and I remember you would talk about how hard it was to like have like Christmas or Christmas Eve. Um, and I noticed a picture of your whole family together mm -hmm. and you look so happy in the picture. And I was like, I was so inspired. <laughs> I think people in general, just hearing your story are so inspired by you. But what I really wonder is, you know, when, I mean, nobody can imagine the amount of trauma. No, I, I, I think there's a 2% of people on this planet have gone through something so horrific. And the fact that you went back to school and you just like, were like, I'm going to do this. It just, it, it amazes me and it must, I mean, I know we're both spiritual, but it, it makes me think that God, you have all these angels that were just with you guys, you mm -hmm. know, and you must have, 
in your life, like a bubble of these angels that just follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, something that you and I talk about a lot is and have in the past is spirituality mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, signs. So I know that your yes. my sign is the butterfly. I talk about that, but your sign is the hummingbird. Yeah. <laughs> it can be my mom or whomever. I'm just, I think you can kind of sense if you're thinking about someone or if you've yeah. about or missing them. Um, yeah, that, I mean, my grandma loved birds. And so I, I just think of her when we talk about birds, but you know, we all, my family, I think in general believes in our angels and just signs and being visited in one way or another. And, <laughs> and we would laugh. Well, some of my cousins and I would laugh because when you think of a hummingbird, it's so delicate and so beautiful and dainty. And we would always think, Oh, it must be my mom or my grandma visiting. And she would always think it was like one of my uncles who are these like hyper masculine, (laughs) (laughs) like, Oh, that's uncle Charlie. He's visiting us. I'm like, that's uncle Charlie. Oh, just make me laugh. But, um, but yes, that's, that's, um, I always think of our angels whenever I see a hummingbird. And actually a couple of days ago, I, I mean, you just reached out to me recently about doing the podcast and there was one fluttering around on my walk outside and it just, I felt like they were with me. Yeah. Yeah. I believe in that. And, and, and then, you know, like, it's not like just losing one person. So like if you were to lose one person and you go through all the stages of grief and shock and all of that stuff, how long, I mean, I'm assuming, cause we've talked about it. I'm a, I mean, therapy saved my life. I talk about it every podcast did therapy save your life? Like, how did you, how shortly after did you and your family members go into therapy? Was that something that you were like, um, I have to do this or how did that work for you? Um, we all, I think all of us had our own grieving process. So some of us did go to therapy and some of us did not. Some of us went for many years, um, or went at the beginning, took a break and then went again. Um, but I, yeah, I like you, I just, I'm a big, big advocate for mental health. And it was, I did go right away. Um, when I was in college, my senior year, I went like, I think it was twice a week and for the remainder of the semester. Um, and that was, it was just necessary for me, I just to process everything that happened and, um, to have an outlet, I think, just because it was, it was a lot, a lot for us to process and just overcome and to grieve. And um, at that point, it was just a matter of having someone to just talk to about it that wasn't the family. Um, And we were, because I mean, we were talking about it all the time. It was impossible to get together and not talk about whether we talked, we weren't necessarily talking about the tragedy, but just our loved ones, just because it was such a huge loss and absence. Um, we just felt that void and it was really painful for a very long time. Um, did you, did some people, I'm assuming everybody deals with trauma in a different way. So some people were angry. Some people pushed it down, didn't want to get therapy, were in denial. So everybody probably in your family dealt with it in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we were all, I mean, we're all different ages and just we're raised, even though we are raised in the same family, uh, some of us 
we're more comfortable talking about our feelings than others. And, um, but in general, all of us kept moving forward. I don't, even though, yes, we worried about each other and some of us had some darker days than others. I don't think, at least to my knowledge, that we ever worried about someone like not being able to move forward. We all just- You were like each other's support system. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. And And then not to skip ahead, but you, so then you graduated, you had a job, you ended up like having a boyfriend and getting married. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about that? Just, you don't have to go into it if you don't want to, but. Sure. No, I, so I went straight into grad school actually. And, um, I ended up meeting someone and dating him and we, uh, got married years later. Um, and he was a very, he is a very good person and was very supportive. We met, I mean, I think, two years after the tragedy. Um, so I was just in a very different frame of mind and yeah, it was just a different, I mean, I still think I am who I am at my core, but, um, just in my grieving process, I think it played a big role in what my priorities were and maybe what I was looking for at the time. And, um, but no, we had a very strong relationship and, you know, there was a lot of love there and he, was very supportive of me and accepting of just everything that came with me, just with my history. And um, yeah, and so we ended up getting married and that was actually shortly before the retreat that we attended. And then um, we were married for a couple of years and then we ended up getting divorced. And um, yeah, it just, it even though it feels like it was so short, um, And I was, you know, I was ashamed at the time. It was really hard um, just having gotten divorced at such a young age after such few years. And, but it just, it it wasn't a fit. It wasn't a, like, maybe also, do you think that you kind of felt like he came in to save you a little bit and help you through this? And then you had to mature because you did get married so young. Um, not like possibly, you were immature, yeah. but just like <laughs> mature, like, like get over your feelings and really like deal with what the reality was. I think so. I mean, I, and we, I mean, I went, attended or attended, we went to counseling and talked to the priest and I went to my own therapist for a very long time during this experience. And, um, I think it was a matter of outgrowing the life that I had built with him. And I knew in my heart that if we were to stay together, I wouldn't be truly happy and he wouldn't be truly happy. And, um, we tried, we did, we did go to counseling and everything. And I am so grateful for the memories that we have together and what he brought to my life and the love he showed my family. Absolutely. And I wish him nothing, you know, happiness in his life. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we ended our marriage and, um, went our separate ways and, and and so tell me now, yeah, I mean, I know you're dating somebody now, someone new, (laughs) um, 
<laughs> yeah, but it's good. It seems like, yeah. I mean, I, again, I say this, uh, people probably listen to my podcast and they're probably like, stop saying that, you weird, crazy lady. But um, everything happens for a reason. So I believe, I really believe that. And I think timing is everything in life. And um, it's just, I like to see that you met someone and you look so happy. Thank what you. What <laughs> is, and I, and I saw that your sister graduated college. Yes. Okay. Oh, no, high school, not college. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. wait, what year are we in? I don't even know. I'm like 95. I don't know. So she, so I saw that picture that she graduated high school and you were yeah. there and you looked yeah. so happy. How is she doing? She's great. Um, she's up in Santa Barbara now. They're on campus. Well, she's not on campus, but she's living in university housing and She's really happy to be spreading her wings and making new friends and just onto the next chapter of her life. And I'm thrilled for her. And has yeah, she been able, in. has she been able to like, cause that trauma at such a young age was probably, she needed a lot of help and guidance. I'm assuming did, did she like, has she turned out like where she can talk about it and you guys talk about it or is it something she doesn't talk a lot about? Well, we don't talk about that evening so much. But do you talk about like that? I hope you don't talk about that evening because it's probably like you don't want to think about it, obviously. But do you talk about your mom and the memories that she might have and that cut the good stuff? We do. We we do. We reminisce about just different, yeah, family memories and my mom. And um, she is, my sister is a little more reserved. And well, I'm reserved as well, but um just private about her feelings. Uh, she will talk with me and, and if it's, you know, it's on her when she feels comfortable opening up. Um, and also it's just a maturity thing. She's, she was so young and is still young. So I think all of us as, I don't know, just as we age and grow up process it maybe differently. Um, but she's happy. I think I'm sure there will be, as she, starts to have new relationships and meet new people and new experiences, it will impact her a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, things but- have, things hit people at different times in their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just to pivot a little bit something that I think is, I was posting this earlier today. How, how do you feel about gun can like gun control? And is that something you can talk about? Like are there are, do you have any perspective and thoughts about, you know, putting that out there? Cause I know how I feel about it. I am. And I'm a little embarrassed because I, I would think that someone who has survived such a horrific event that you would have, or I would have such a strong, I guess, political standpoint on it. And I so admire people that who have whether or not someone has endured such adversity that they do, you know, use their voice for good and to make a difference. I have not actively participated in anything um, at this point in my life. I haven't put my energy towards any advocacy or, um, I don't know, just any movement in that way. I, I but don't, I don't, I don't think that you should be embarrassed about that. I think it... <laughs> I think more so it makes sense that you wouldn't want to think about it, you know, so people are affected and do things in different 
you know, some people don't want to think about it. Some people are affected by it and they want to think about it. So I don't think it's any like judgment. I just think, you know, you deal with it however you're going to deal with it. Right. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's that I don't want to think about it. It's not an avoidance. I just, I haven't challenged myself to, to use my voice for that, um, or to at least take the time to really, um, inform and educate myself on that. Um, but maybe in the future, some of my family members have, you know, spoken at different engagements or, you know, even my cousins when they were in high school, like, um, staging a walkout or being interviewed on, on safety or gun safety and everything. So, um, at this point I haven't been involved in that. And, and I would think that like that, those kind of events kind of are maybe a trigger and bring you back to a time that you don't, or they don't really want to think about either, you know, with all the kind of bad things that happen in this world. It was, I mean, before COVID, I feel like it was happening so often and um, just the mass shootings and yeah, if, yes, it can be a trigger, but if anything for myself personally, I just, my heart would go out to anyone who was impacted by it. Just loss is loss, regardless of how you lose someone. Um, Of course there's added trauma when it's in such a tragic way, but when you lose someone, it's painful no matter what. Yeah. Um, what, what is something that you would say to somebody that is going through something horrific, dealing with pain? Is there anything like, are you somebody that's good at, I'm not good at this. I I can do it on my podcast, but like a lot of times if I find out that somebody like loses somebody or go like something bad happens, I tend to be afraid and I'm afraid to reach out. That's how I kind of I just don't want to be reminded of things. How, how are you with that? Well, I, I don't know if I would be able to uh, rate myself and how skilled I am at it. <laughs> like out of a one from a 10. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm comfortable. You know, I think it's just like heart to heart, like human to human being there for somebody. And um, if someone was enduring something that, painful and it's all relative. It doesn't have to be something so horrific. Just any sort of loss can be really um, life altering for someone. And I think, well, one, making sure that they have the support that they need, whether it's, you know, mental health support or family and friends and not isolating oneself away from that. Um, It's just really important to surround yourself with, I think, love and comfort and anything that you might need to get through. Um, And do you, do you, are you spirit? Are you still spiritual? Do you pray? Do you go to, yeah. I mean, going to church during COVID has been difficult, but do you like, what is your relationship? Cause I know my relationship with God and spirituality is like continuing to change. Um, what is, how do you feel about that right now? It also, I think that relationship has evolved as well um, over time. And when I had gotten divorced, it was, it impacted it as well. Um, I think just feeling guilty mm-hmm. <laughs> as a Catholic. Um, the Catholic guilt comes spiraling <laughs> in, which we all have. Yeah. Um, 
but and I shouldn't laugh about it because I and I do understand the just the sanctity of marriage and everything and um, I understand that too but my my JC my Jesus Christ yeah. um the man upstairs I think is more forgiving than people like to think and um that's part of being Christian you know is I believe he's we're all way way harder on ourselves than he is on us. He, she, sorry. Well, do you remember from our retreat, the message of there's nothing we can do that will make him love us less. And yeah, remember that with the ball, there's that video with the little (laughs) boy throwing the ball. I remember watching that video and I was like, I had like snot bubbles coming out of my nose. I was like, (laughs) geez, I was like, God loves me no matter what. I'm so like, you know, I think we're all, as humans, so hard on ourselves. And I, I mean, I talk about this a lot. I've made so many horrible mistakes in my life. And I, I F up like every other day, excuse the language. And I'm angry and I'm mad at things that have happened. And sometimes I'm like mad at God and I don't want to deal with it. Or I'm mad at my parent, my mom, or I'm mad at like, whatever I'm mad at, but I know like, I, I've had so many like cool signs like you that I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I know my angels and my dad and my sister, and I just know they're there. I know Julie's there and I, I'm sure you feel the same way. And I just think you're a wonderful girl. And I, I wish I could talk to you for like five hours, but I mean, the podcast is like an hour. Um, but I just, I, when you said, like you asked, you just asked me shortly ago to do your podcast. What, when I decided to do this, you were like, honestly, one of the first people I thought of. And I was like, I don't know if I should do that. Like, I don't know if she wants to talk about it. And you know, this is like, believe it or not, people do listen to my podcast. So thank you for the five people that are listening. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm kidding. More than five people listen. Um, but I just think your story and just like you as a human are so inspiring just to like, you know, I think about seeing, like seeing the picture of you and your boyfriend right now. And when I saw it, I think I was having like a shitty day that day. Sorry. (laughs) And I like saw it and it made me so happy because I think like, I think you're the, like I said, you're like the biggest fighter I know. And I'm just really grateful to know you. And thank you so, so much for doing my podcast. And tell me about like, um, before we close, like where you are now, you're with your boyfriend. How is the rest of your family doing? We're great. Um, I'm actually just so happy to be able to share that my family is in such a beautiful, happy, healthy place. Um, you know, I have my boyfriend and we've been together for a few months and things are going so well and I love him and he's amazing and he treats me really well. And I just look forward to our future. Um, and there have been, even just since COVID, I mean, and of course my prayers go out to everyone who's been impacted by COVID or who's lost someone. And I'm in healthcare, so I witness it every day. Um, But 
this past year has actually been a really beautiful year for my family. There's been babies that have been born. There have been engagements. There have been college graduations. There have, it's just like all the milestones have happened and we're just so, just so thrilled. And even though we haven't been able to get together physically the way we usually would and celebrate and party the way my family does, um, we still celebrate from afar and yeah, there's just so much life and love going on. Um, and I'm, I'm just really excited and, and feel so blessed and we've always felt blessed. And even though it might be hard for some people to imagine just because the amount of loss we've experienced, but I think our, our blessings have always been greater than the amount of loss and I don't know, just carry us through. Well, I love that. I think that's amazing. Like I said, you and your family are the ultimate fighters. You're like the WWE. <laughs> Is that right? I have no idea. I don't know the fighting organizations. <laughs> Anyways, thank you. Love you. You're amazing. You. <laughs> In closing, keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.